wonder, to be filled with awe and amazement, admiration, to marvel at something. We walk through the Christmas story starting today and in the following three Sundays, and we're talking about wonder. We start with a prophecy and the advent, and the next week we go to the angel arriving and speaking to Mary, the chosen, and the blessing of calling. Two weeks from today, we'll consider the worshipers, the glory that was shown to the shepherds as they came to worship. And then finally, on December 27th, Pastor David will preach and share with us the amazed, a question of greatness. All who heard it wondered. So if you haven't already, open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7 will be our key text, Isaiah chapter 9. If you're with us online, of course, you can, or anywhere, you can follow in version, the Bible app, and on the live events there, you'll find the entire sermon outline with the scriptures interspersed. But in the midst of 2020, grinding on, a pandemic that's very real, vaccines that are in development, but a virus now that seems so much worse than it did even in March when this thing became a reality for us, with so many more people sick and so many more people dying, and then the ongoing economic concerns. With an unsettled election, one side sure of victory, the other side turning over every possible stone, seeking out alleged corruption so an election's not stolen, and your life Work's not the same. Home isn't the same. Spending time with family or friends is not the same. We need hope. And hope is what we find today in Isaiah chapter 9. King Jesus, the reality of our hope. So if you're able to stand with me today, would you stand in the honor of reading God's Word as we read Our focal passage today, Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy and rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born." To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God, our Father, we do see hope in the words of Isaiah the prophet, written going on 3,000 years ago, telling us about your son Jesus who was here 2,000 years ago, reminding us of who you are and what you've done to redeem us as people made in your image because of your great love for us. Father, would you encourage us today in the midst of 2020, in the midst of everything that is our lives right now, whether we like it or not, we come before you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We've got seven verses this morning and seven points, and we'll move through them somewhat quickly. But the first one is that King Jesus offers us promise. King Jesus offers us promise. Notice what it says there, nevertheless. You've got to love it when something starts with nevertheless. It means no matter everything else that has just been said, there's going to be a change. And I'm going to tell you something that you weren't necessarily prepared for. He says, there will be no more gloom from those who were in distress. Isaiah the prophet is speaking of Zebulun and Naphtali, two tribal areas in the northern part of Israel, to be symbolic of the nation of Israel that had been carried off into captivity in 732 B.C. And he's saying there was gloom there, they're gone, but what he's doing is looking forward. Isn't that just the way that a Bible prophet does or even a preacher today does. We look back at what has happened, we consider what is happening, and we look forward to what will happen. And we see that, of course, as Isaiah is a prophet, and he's telling these people then, and he's telling us now, look what's next, the end of verse 1. But in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. This is the only place in the Bible this road is mentioned. There is a road that goes across, and it's in Assyrian and Egyptian records. It's in that northern part of ancient Israel, a major highway, the exact area that Jesus was raised in. And so by calling Zebulun, by calling Naphtali, the prophet Isaiah is saying that in this area around Galilee, this is where the king will come from. This is where Messiah will come from. This is where hope will come from. He's making a promise to his people then, but it's a promise to all who have ever trusted Jesus since, including those of us in the sound of my voice this morning. And it raises that question for us, and the question is, where do I need hope? That Jesus offers us promise, but it's not just a willy-nilly promise. It's not just a general promise. It's a specific promise of hope for us. What about you? Where do you need hope this morning? What has you down? What has you worried? What has you depressed? What has you anxious? What has you stressed? What has you sick? What has you in trouble or even in sin? Jesus offers us hope. There's a second thing King Jesus does, and that's in verse 2, and that is King Jesus illuminates our darkness. Now, I know in verse 1 and 2, Isaiah hasn't said it's going to be a king and it's going to be Jesus, but we see that throughout the rest of the passage, so if you'll give me that in the titling of my 
points. King Jesus illuminates our darkness. It says, verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That word through reminds me that yes, you're going to be in a valley of a shadow of death, but it's not death, it's just a shadow. And though sometimes that shadow of death hurts more than death itself, because if we're dead and we're a believer in Jesus, then we're in glory and everything's okay. It's those that are here without us that are left in pain. But where do I need Jesus Light. That's the question for us. The King Jesus illuminates our darkness, but where do I need His light? The Bible refers to darkness and light, sinfulness and righteousness. It's no wonder that bad guys wear black. And I mean, it's no wonder that crime happens at night, right? The Bible says sin loves darkness, but that Jesus shines the light and exposes our sins. Granted, it may not be your sinfulness that needs light, but it may be that you need guidance, and that's how you need the light turned on in your life, that you're walking with Jesus, you're sanctified, you're set apart, you're holy, you're righteous, you're growing in Christ, but there are major things ahead of you that do give you worry and fear and cause for trouble, and you need the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit and through His Word to shine the light, to answer your questions, to allay your fears, to strengthen your faith. Just like the headlights of a car show the direction for the car to go, we need that light that comes through Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit to show the light. So our King Jesus offers us hope. Our King Jesus illuminates the darkness. Verse 3 tells us that King Jesus multiplies our joy. King Jesus multiplies our joy. Verse 3 says, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing plunder. We all need more wonder. We all need more amazement. We could all use a little joy. There are great things in our life that give us joy. When somebody we love celebrates a milestone or achieves some accomplishment. Or when somebody we love who we haven't seen in some time comes and we get to spend time with them and just talk. There are little things in life that give us joy like maybe a certain meal or even a certain snack or a cookie that reminds us of something from the past. There are amazing things in creation that might give us joy, like just looking and listening and experiencing all that God has made around us, or if you're privileged to have an infant or a baby in your life, just holding and spending time with. Being a parent brings you joy as you see your children grow and you might wish that they'd stay smaller, but you have joy each step along the way as you see them become their own person We need joy. The question asks, where do I need to welcome wonder? In my life. 
Where do I need that kind of joy, that wonder, that awe, that amazement? Something that would encourage me. Something that would carry me through. Something that would give me hope. I would remind us, no neglect prayer. Don't neglect or grow tired or weary of asking that God is sovereign and His timing may not match your timing. And even though you want something now, He knows you need to wait until then. So keep on praying, keep on seeking, keep on asking Him for wonder along the way that you would be encouraged. Because Jesus offers us hope. He shines light in the darkness and He multiplies our joy. The fourth thing Jesus does from verse 4 is King Jesus frees us from bondage. King Jesus frees us from bondage. Now again, Isaiah looks back in Israel's past. Verse 4 says, For in the day of Midian's defeat, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke of the burdens, the bar across their shoulders, and the rod of oppressors. Midian's defeat, what's he talking about? Go back and read Judges chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, or Isaiah chapter 10. He's literally talking about Gideon and the Midianites. You remember the story as God showed up in a supernatural way. Thousands, then fewer thousands, and then 300 is Gideon who wasn't sure that he could lead, led into battle. And God did a miraculous thing and the Midianites slayed themselves because God was with His people. King Jesus frees us from bondage. That bondage may seem so strong, we think, I will always be this way. I can never change. I will always struggle with this depression. I will always have this anxiety. I will always have this fears. I will always deal with these addictions. It's just who I am. Yet in Christ Jesus, He says, you are free. Just as the Midianites were miraculously overcome by Gideon and 300 men with nothing but torches and pitchers. So you, too, can be free. It begs that question, what sins enslave me? You can answer this question. Maybe the folks close to you can answer this question. But the good news is that this question's not the end. Remember, from unforgiveness and bitterness, from the pain and the burdens, the expectations that others have put on you in your past, the anger that you live with, the fears that you deal with, all these things, Jesus can set you free from them. It may not be at the snap of a finger, but over time, there's a process of relationship with Him and dependence upon Him and growing sanctification in Him that you become more like Christ and less like the person who struggled with all those things that enslaved you. Because Jesus brings us hope. Jesus turns on the light. Jesus multiplies our joy. Jesus frees us from our sin. And the fifth point from our fifth verse, King Jesus gives us peace. Now, in a poetic sense, and frankly, using some terminology that's not too welcoming, to our modern ears, it may offend our sensibilities when Isaiah says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood. Those are not pretty pictures, but war is not pretty. They will be destined for burning. They will be fuel for the fire. What is he saying in a poetic sense, but in a very real sense? He's saying everything that was used for war will be gone. 
I am giving you peace. There will be no more war, no more fighting, no more struggle because I am the king. Not unlike our freedom above. Which begs that question, how have I been fighting? What is it that you've been fighting with thinking about our last point and all the things from addictions to unforgiveness to angers to anxieties to worries to fears that trouble you and bring you down and keep you from being who Christ intended you to be? Maybe it's unfinished business. Maybe it's a feeling of disappointment. Maybe it's expectations that haven't been met. Anxiety or depression that may be chemical and beyond your willful control. You just can't change it. What have you been fighting? Where do you need hope? Where do you need light? Where do you need joy? Where do you need freedom? Where do you need a miracle? King Jesus offers all those things to us. Before we get to our sixth point, we need to read our scripture memory verse for the month, which the sweet young ladies read for us already. And we'll read again if you join me. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6. Thank you. That leads to our sixth point, that King Jesus is perfect. Now that may be an odd way to summarize that, but when you consider those phrases used to describe who the coming Messiah Jesus would be, you would see that, yes, in fact, they are saying He is perfect. For to us a child is born and a son is given. We know that. Micah referred to that in chapter 5, verse 2. Zephaniah, chapter 14, verse 9, prophesying who Christ would be, and He will be called. And then we have these four designations of Jesus, that because we're used to singing Messiah, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Yeah, I'll stop singing. Thank you. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Have you ever thought about what that means? What it means for you? Wonderful means exceptional or distinguished. Counselor, you want your counselor to be wise, discerning, inciting, insightful. What it's saying is that Jesus will have exceptional wisdom. The next one says he'll be the mighty God. Well, not unlike God the Father who has power that's supernatural. He'll have supremacy over his enemies and control and exercise that same sort of sovereignty. Then there's that phrase, everlasting Father. You want to go, wait, time out, time out. Jesus is the Son. Why is it calling him the Father? Have you ever thought about that one? So, of course, there's theories about why is he called the Father everything. But I think... It's simply referring to him as if he would be a father to us. The way that a father cares for his children. So I would say to us, don't be puzzled. It's speaking of Jesus' loving, caring relationship to those who call him Savior and Lord. It's his constant care for us, his people. And then Prince of Peace. To bring and maintain peace. Any ruler wants peace and prosperity for his or her people that Jesus offers the same. Which leads me to this question, where do I need security? Because as a king who brings peace and offers this relationship with me, he's offering me security that I'm going to take care of you because I'm your father, I'm your counselor, 
I'm your peace. You can trust me because I'm sovereign and I've got everything under my control. I'm exceptionally wise, supreme over all enemies, constant in care for you, fully able to offer peace to you. Where do you need security? Where do you need reassurance? Where do you need assistance? Where do you need encouragement? Where do you need forgiveness? Where do you need to be set free? Jesus brings hope. He turns on the light. He multiplies our joys. He sets us free from our sin. He gives us peace. He secures our lives. And then our seventh and final point, Jesus reigns eternally. Verse 7, Jesus reigns eternally. That He's not short-term. He's not a flash in the pan. He is forever. Look at what verse 7 says. He says, Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God, the sovereign, will do what his word says and Jesus will reign forever. All the promises of this passage of Scripture, all the hope that this passage of Scripture offers us are forever. They're not for one day. They're not for a short time. They're for every time and all time. He will be our shalom, our peace. Of the increase of his government and peace. Do you know that word shalom? Most of us know that because if we don't know anything else in Hebrew, we know shalom. It's used as a greeting, right? But do you know what it's based on? The etymology of the word shalom is derived from the Hebrew word to mean whole or complete. Nothing missing. Think about that as a greeting. When you greet somebody you love, like I see Al over here, and I could say to Al, Shalom. I'm not just saying hello to him. I'm saying, Al, I'm complete because you're my brother in Christ, because you're my friend, and you compliment me and help me be something I can't be on my own. Shalom. And Jesus offers us that shalom. He completes us. He makes us whole. All the things that we aren't, He is. Everything we can't be, He can. All the things we hope for, He can offer. Shalom. Peace. Which leads us to this question. Which of His promises should I claim? You have Seven different promises just in these seven verses in Isaiah chapter 9. And they're all multi-layered and multi-part as well. But which of the things that you've heard me say today, that you've read in Scripture, that the Holy Spirit's communicated to your heart, do you need to claim today? And you say, this one is for me. And this is the reason I came to church today. Or this is the reason I tuned in online today. So that I can have this promise because this is what I need in my life today. And this Christmas season, because King Jesus offers us that kind of hope, light, joy, freedom, peace, and security forever. One commentator said, only God's wonderful plans will bring about these ideals. Not any person, not even one of us, no matter what we're deceived at times to think is what I would add. God's promises will only be accomplished through Jesus. So placing our trust in any other solution 
is mere folly. Jesus is king. He offers us hope. Can you accept it today? Let's pray. God, our Father, we're so moved and so encouraged by your word to know of your sovereignty and the greatness and love that you gave through your son, Jesus, and how that is made available to each and every one of us. So, Father, it's our prayer, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that has never trusted Christ Jesus as their Savior, that they would make that commitment today because we all need that hope and that peace, that freedom, that joy, that light, that security that Jesus offers. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus that may have something that's burdening us or we struggle with, would you make that reality in our lives today? Father, we thank you that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen.